Hello and welcome back to the Not For Profits podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Trina Parham. And I'm David Devon. And this is the place where we spill the tea on the behind the scenes of the nonprofit industry. We are two seasoned black professionals um, in this world. And so here we talk about, uh, we share our insights, share our thoughts and ideas on various topics that impact black leaders. And so that's what we do here. That's all right. So thanks for being here with us. And um, we have um, we have a list where we are sharing lots of sort of behind the scenes um, topics and ideas. We're sharing, you know, content. We're sharing um, all sorts of things about our work and, you know, really the community that we're trying to build here. So if you want to join us in that community, if you go to bit.ly forward slash not for profits, um, you can join the community there. Just get on the list. Um, that link will be in the show notes as well. So be sure to check that out. Also be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast. Share it with your friends. If you have other folks you know who are in the nonprofit world that could use the conversations that we have here, be sure to um, to share it with them. So thanks so much for that. Yes, thank you. And we, we really appreciate all the, the rating and reviewing and sharing we've seen so far. Um, really helping to get get the message in the podcast out there. Yeah, thanks for that. So today, what are we talking about? What is the role of the nonprofit in 2023? So D- David and I talk a lot about the nonprofit industry. We talk a lot about the purpose of nonprofits now, and just this this world of this world of of nonprofits and. Do they have a purpose? Do they have a point now? What are the um, what are the benefits of it? What needs to change? Do they need to go away altogether? There's there's a lot here, David. What are your initial thoughts on this? I think my my initial thought connects to one of the episodes that we had earlier about uh, the pandemic and where are we now. In that. You know, definitely not across the board, but there were many, many different nonprofits on a trajectory, uh, end of 2019, beginning of 2020, of even before the uprisings for racial justice and everything, getting into this conversation of what does it mean to look like, to look at this work at a systemic level, meaning how are we looking at power, how are we understanding resources, how are we understanding access, how are we, are we understanding the historical context of why people are in a difficult position and what are the uh, root causes that need to be addressed to shift that? And in a kind of paradoxical way with like the, the, you know, the disaster of the pandemic, it became all about the emergency. So I think we very quickly shifted from some of the conversations that were about these shifts and this level of systems analysis to one of people need this now, how do we make sure they get this now, which was critical, vital, very important, and at the same time was happening in this context of um, disparate outcomes, um, inequities as it relates to black people, marginalized folks, from the impact of the pandemic. So meaning lots of government resources and other things going towards things for emergency circumstances in the context of systemic like 
related outcomes. Um, so the and and just saying that more simply, the people who have in many ways always been in crisis because of the structure of the com- the country, having even worse outcomes because of the pandemic. Um, while the shift of many nonprofits became about emergency mm-hmm. and not the the systems. And so, again, I don't know everything, definitely don't know across the board, but the sense and some of the folks I've talked to is that there was a, there was a little bit of a, um, a right turn then um, away from some of those conversations, which I know are still happening, but there was so, so much money put towards the emergency type use that I would – be interested to see like right now given the way that so many different places responded to the murder of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Tony McDade, many others. Um, what does the funding picture look like and are they actually still funding the work that's happening at the systems level or is it still about getting people the day to day, the week to week needs? Mm-hmm. That's what's initially comes up for me. What about for you in this moment? <sighs> <laughs> I have been in the nonprofit space on and off throughout my career. And I I think the question that what comes up for me is this idea of so many nonprofits are leaning their ladder against the wrong house. Mm. And what I mean by that is focusing on small, unnecessary things that don't move the needle on whatever it is that they say they care about. And so I think, for me, I, I'm a social worker by training, so that um, so I have that perspective as well as you know being an entrepreneur and wanting rest for Black people, primarily Black women, because we need to rest. And so I, I think about all of us who work and hold up these institutions that many many of whom don't can't whatever do what they say they're going to do. And one of the things that really bothers me is when I see an organization that's working on whatever initiative that is for people in poverty who are struggling, who can't take care of themselves, and it becomes this paternalistic um, approach to helping people. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the more we go and, we, and everything that we've seen in this country over the past, I don't know, four to seven years, um, I see how much capitalism and all of these systems are preventing people from living the kind of having the kind of quality of life that we all should have and so what comes up for me is I I think about things like universal health care universal basic income things that will really move the needle and the question that I often ask myself is should that be the sole focus of nonprofits Mm -hmm. just helping move the needle on those things so people can take care of themselves and and demanding that, you know, the ultra rich and wealthy pay their fair share in taxes. Mm-hmm. Should you be talking about anything else other than those things? I don't know. Now, aside from, you know, nonprofits that are focused on um, maybe like the arts and, you know, other things like that. But when it comes to people who are struggling and need help and we have all these initiatives and I, I think I've seen so many nonprofits um can't really do very much or you see them you know the same people are still struggling and they've been around for 50 years 75 years 100 years and some of that is you have to you have to help people in the emergency situations that I get Mm 
And I think that is really important. I think it's on a spectrum. But the other piece is this part of what can we do to just level the playing field so that people have affordable health care or universal health care don't have to worry about it, that people have affordable housing. And that's, and to that point, Trina, I, I want to get into, thank you for that. Like, I don't know the, the whole history, but I want to, I want to be nuanced here a little bit in that in this country, there have always been community-based networks for black people, by black people, to ensure we have what we need. Yes, absolutely. And whether that was under a 501c3 or not, some have been. Most around, weren't. Yeah, many weren't under reading, food, um, uh, utilizing land to bail people out, like all these things that were done. Um, and that may have fallen on some of those structures sometimes. I am not seeing the same way as you are a however many tens of million dollar, usually white-led charity that came out of philanthropic dollars, usually many times from the wife or partner of a, you know, very rich individual who's usually white, some, you know, captain of industry, like that type of charity history that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of those, you know, the one thing that you'll see is that this conversation about getting into what you're speaking about, universal basic income, universal health care, uh, housing as a human right, they see that as political and not their job, where those sorts of people and that sort of power are exactly the are exactly in the position to move the political needle on those things. The focusing on we will get the people what they need week by week and maybe not even get them what they need week by week is not necessarily the best use of their power and position. Yes. I want to also make a distinction. I think the pieces that you've spoken about in terms of black people basically having these networks and support structures, I think that is community to me. Mm-hmm. And so there are there's ways in which we still are going to need community regardless. People are going to need supportive community regardless. You know, one of the things that I see with a lot of, you know, people that I know where they have this, quote, nuclear family and they don't live near family, how isolated they are. And these are people that even have money mm-hmm. and don't and don't depend on any of these supports the way that you feel so isolated because you don't have community support. And so I think that there is always going to be a need for that community and however we go about structuring that. And and that is separate, though, from these organizations that have all of this money and are paying for programs when really what people need is to be able to buy their own food. Yeah. Or they need to be able to pay their own rent, or they need to be able to do whatever it is. Yes. And so, and I think the struggle is when you, for example, when you talk to poor people about how to better manage their money, when what is really needed is more money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The fact that our living, you know, what do they call that minimum wage, is not a livable wage. I'm saying, how much do you expect people to do exactly? And so I think, you know, being poor is expensive. 
You've yes. got to go to programs. You've got to check in. You've got to, you know, do all these reports. You've got to meet with this person five, six times. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of wasted time. And because of that feeling of, well, we've got to be, you know, we have to make sure they're accountable because we're giving them this thing. A lot of work, not all, many organizations work that way. And so for me, the question I always, I'm asking myself is how can these dollars be better spent while also understanding that people have needs right now. And this is something that's not going to happen overnight. And, and to that point um, (laughs) is the, you know, the, the, the recognition uh, that the kind of Reaganomics, that whole approach of the right of many people, one of their focuses was to dismantle the safety net to be able to use that money elsewhere Absolutely. to help their friends. So having the programs that we had in the late 70s, early 80s um, that I, you know, hear about as it relates to all the issues we've talked about of like healthcare, housing, food, um, uh, educational supports, all those different things were strategically dismantled, right? So yes. it is it is that thing of, you know, interestingly, the right dismantling that uh, allowing the quote-unquote liberal white uh, leaders of many of these nonprofits to continue to gain power and influence mm-hmm. um, in the way that they quote unquote, address the the issues and implications of the safety net being dismantled. So one thing I like to think about that, that context and, and how that power and, and all of those things that are going on in terms of how these organizations continue to grow and grow and grow um, that are, you know, quote unquote, serving directly impacted community. The other piece is, who are the people who are in these nonprofits? Mm. <laughs> Why are they there? And that's something we talk about a lot, too, is that, at least in my experience, you meet a whole host of people where some, I grew up in a household that was directly impacted. I want to make sure I'm part of the solution. Mm-hmm. Others, I grew up in a household that was directly impacted. I now am wealthy and think I know. <laughs> and so I'm going to bring that 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 mindset and context to the work. People where spouse, partner, whomever is on Wall Street and they want to be able to say, I'm doing good things at the end of the day. Yes. Um, people who just, who are practitioners and just, and love the, I love the logistics of it. I love the engineering. I love the Excel spreadsheets. And it's like, and I'd rather do it here <laughs> because there's a mission. And like, I'm really about the efficiencies in that way. And then there are literally people who just like to monitor those in poverty. Yes. And they love to work they do. in these places to be like, let me make sure that people are actually deserving of the things that this place is doing. The people whose mindset every day is about waste, fraud, and abuse, not only to directly impact the community, but also to their colleagues, especially people of color and their, who are their colleagues. So... Yes. Uh, and, anyway, and all of those and all of those people collide in the same organization, and so one of the things that you discover that I've discovered is just because you're you work in a nonprofit doesn't mean you actually care about the thing or mm-hmm. the mission. 
you know, you could be there for so many different reasons. And I think the approach and the, the ethos or the mindset of the person matters. So if you are working in one of these organizations and you think, oh, this is this is a charity organization or this is a philanthropic organization as opposed to someone who thinks, oh, this is a social justice or this is a Mm. social justice institution or something there, something like that. And so those two um, divergent perspectives can create a bit of a mess in the organization. And even though you're, you're technically working on the same thing, you're working towards the same mission you think you are, but the outcomes um, can be very different of what you actually expect. And so it can create quite a mess within the organization. But, but again, I I think for me, and I I hope that we can have more conversations around this because, and and outside of uh, the two of us, because I, I think that what I'm seeing are a lot of, Nonprofits, even even folks who do like DEI work, um, people who do a lot of these trainings or anti-bias work or anti-racist work or whatever. And it's like these people don't get it. They don't want to get it. And so what are look, I'm all about getting your coin. OK, let me just make that clear. I'm all about that. But mm-hmm. is it really working? Yeah. You know, is, you know, I was watching, um, I was watching the news maybe last week and they were, the chancellor of New York City Public Schools was saying how, I think only, I, I mean, there's so many kids, I forget the exact percentage, who weren't on, who couldn't read on grade level. Mm-hmm. Now, something like that, but you have all, you know, these, these projects and these programs and all these things. I'm like, these kids can't read. What else are you doing other than that? Mm-hmm. What else? What else? What else? Mm-hmm. You have you have failed. The system has failed. It has failed. Mm-hmm. If your kids cannot read. Now, this, the school, as an example, is a hub for so many different activities for children and families. And there's a lot that has to happen. And there's a lot of transactions. There's a lot of supports that have to be given to these schools because these families and communities need it, whether it's because of a, it's a money issue or maybe you're just a single parent and you just need help. You just need an extra set of hands, whatever it is, you know, so these schools represent a lot, but how do you have all these other things? How are you moving on? And the children can't read. You have failed. That is a failure. And so when you look at a lot of these other organizations, it's like, how long have you been at this? You've got these networks, you've got all these things, and you have failed. And again, so to me, it's like, let's think about this differently. And I think for a lot of folks, you get, you get, you become so indoctrinated into the institution that you no longer are thinking creatively or being innovative around a solution. And and to that to that point, when you do come with innovation or the wait why are we doing this this way you get slapped on the wrist very quickly <laughs> yes um many places are not even open to that conversation and so to to what you're what you were just naming um 
something I want to connect to this is, is your training as a, as a social worker. And this is something we've talked about. That there it was actually an intentional process in your training to recognize that at some point you may see, this is probably not the right words, but you may see your client as the enemy. Or like how do you, how do you work towards not being annoyed by the circumstances of the people that you are here to support. Like, mm. I am working with people that are facing these um, situations around domestic violence, these situations around poverty, situations around uh, misuse uh, of, of drugs and alcohol, wh- whatever it might be, and I start to blame them. And there, th- it wasn't there a mm. whole part of your training that's like how to not... So, yeah, I, I think, and you bring up something interesting. When I say whether or not nonprofits should go out of business, there are still organizations like that that help with alcohol and chemical dependency that need to be around, regardless of if people have the money or not, are going to need supports around that, around domestic violence and anti-violence. There's still supports that are going to be needed around that. There's, there's still places that are going to need to exist, but there are a lot that focus on just everyday circumstances where it would be more beneficial to help people help themselves and let and have that self-determination for what it is that they need and want. That is where I think a lot of nonprofits need to focus. And I think in terms of what you just mentioned, part of it is uh, having really that systems perspective when working with people, because it can be frustrating. And I think for a lot of black people, it gets frustrating because it's like, okay, well, you, you get into that, that mentality of, well, my family struggled and my family went through this and we had it hard and we're not in this situation. You know, we, you can tend to do that and it, it serves no purpose. I mean, it really doesn't because I, I think overall, look, there, there is individual responsibility, sure, on some level, but the, but the reality is these larger systems are what are impacting the choices that people make. And that's, yeah, and that's, that's what I was really, thank you, trying to get at is that one thing that is really important for us to recognize in this, we have failed, this is not working, is how are we actually viewing the community in need? The yes. community that we're here to support, the community that we're supposed to be part of the transformation in, are we seeing them as undeserving? Are we seeing them as not capable of change? Are we seeing this like, oh, it's just a part of their culture. You know, I'm just here to do whatever, you know, their choice. Because I've heard so much of that. Yes. <laughs> in the environments I've been in, little comments, all those things where it's like they should just be glad they're getting anything mm-hmm. type uh, language. And I and think that's very common. I think that's very common among um in nonprofit spaces yes. and among liberal people yes. thinking again, that paternalistic mindset. Well, well, of course they can't read like, the, you know, it's okay. They can't read like they just, you know, the, essentially the thinking is they're not capable of it, mm-hmm. but they're not saying they're, they're couching it in this very liberatory framing language because we know those words get weaponized against us. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's how they couch it. And it's it's a problem for sure. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think that these are the these are the kinds of questions and so going back to what I mentioned earlier about leaning the ladder against the wrong house, 
leaning in against the right house for me meanings nonprofits and leaders having these conversations. Mm-hmm. What exactly are you doing? You know, these all these reports and all these things that you're writing and whatever, like what purpose does it serve? How much time do you waste doing things, creating plans that never get um, actualized? You know, how much work do you do and nothing ever really happens other than you pat yourself on the back or you have a ceremony or something, but nothing actually changed. Yeah. And I know for me that, you know, and I had stopped taking, I haven't had a traditional social work job in a very long time. And I think because I felt that frustration, I felt that frustration of what is this really doing? What kind of impact am I really making here? Yeah. And so when I think about leaders, black leaders in these institutions, these are the questions that I, I want to encourage you to ask yourself. Like, are we really achieving what we're after mm-hmm. like what are we what are we even doing here and that and, and that brings up uh something that we've talked about a lot which is who are the decision makers right you know if you're in this position having to continually run this program that is not having the the impact that it could but you know that this is what the funder wants <laughs> This is, you know, how you're being funded, how you're supposed to do X, Y, and Z. It becomes complicated, especially when you are a black leader and you may be, maybe, you know, there's been five of you, maybe you're the first running this thing because many times you're not. If it's a group that is uh, meant to, if it's a group that is meant to, um, the work is meant to serve people who look like you, Many times the leadership has not looked like you <laughs> until recently, and yet you're supposed to carry on those board relationships, uh, the funder relationships to keep it afloat, and you know that the funders, you know, it's, it's, it's like fashion. You know, it always comes back, you know, however many years, but it's like this is what's in this year, and so this is what the grants are going to be about, this is this, this is that, and then you need to be able to shift, change, uh, be spry, for the next round. Right. Um, and so, so much seems like it's shaped by those who are the furthest from the directly impacted community. And then you as the nonprofit need to contort yourself to get the funding to do what you need to do um, in order to, to meet that need. And so that's something that I always support my clients in thinking about is what, what does it take for your nonprofit to take on a different lens or to do things differently? Usually it has nothing to do with what the directly impacted community says it wants. And it has much more to do with the funders, has to do with consultants, has to do with what their peers are doing. Um, Sometimes how an elected official and those holding the purse strings of government dollars decide uh, should be the priority. And there's, there's a bunch of other categories, but that's something that, that that's important in, and brings up another topic that I know you love, Trina, which is the uh, the delusion that nonprofits can have around their uh, marketing and and health being seen in the public being the same as what their impact actually looks like or what their uh, organizational culture actually looks like. Yeah, I, I think you know one of the questions I. I always ask the organizations that I work with 
is, you know, does your externally facing reputation align with the internal one? I think that's a big thing. And also, I, I think, oh, I'm trying to think of how to, how to say this, but I, I think a lot of times, a lot of these organizations, um, you know, they have one marketing message, but then the work they do in the community is something very different. And that delusion, that brand delusion is really harmful to so many people and communities. And so I, I think it's one of those things, but because of what you mentioned around the, the funding and the funders and the board, and so there, there's this way that you have to create your brand as a nonprofit to get the funding in the door, but oftentimes that is misaligned with these other pieces of work that you're actually doing. And so sometimes it, it can become a couple of different messages coming out of the same organization. And I think you're right. I think a lot of these, um, when you have the board and particularly, I think boards where, you know, under normal circ under any other circumstance, these people would not have a say in this work. Yes. But because they have the money, they have a lot of say and they have a lot of pull and sway in what happens in this institution when it's something that they might not really care about. It could just be a tax write-off for them, mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. Maybe the organization has a lot of great parties. Maybe, you know, they just know a lot of people and it's a good place for them to network. Who knows? I've seen it all. Yes. And I know you've seen, I know you've seen it too. And so I, I think that that becomes problematic for the work. It becomes problematic for the mission. And so then it's like, well, are you really about this mission or, or what? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it gets to something that we talked about before that, that, <laughs> that reality where your nonprofit can end up looking like a Fabergé egg, you know, it's, glitzy, glamorous, gems, all these different things, but it's hollow. And so what, 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 is, what is actually happening um, in terms of your message, in terms of how you align your resources, um, and at the same time, what does that mean for the community that you're ultimately supposed to be in partnership with? Right. And one of my friends put it really well because she's been on a bunch of boards. She said, you know, I've been put on boards because I have money. So they think I know what should be done. Right. And it's like all I have is money. I, I don't know this area of work. I don't know this. I don't know that. But you're giving me this power because I have wealth. And what, what really sticks in my craw about that is when the nonprofit leaders defer to these folks simply because they have money. It doesn't make them an expert. It doesn't make them a content expert. It doesn't make them anything other than someone who has managed to make a lot of money in whatever area um, was their expertise, or maybe they inherited it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. However, they got it. But like that's the only thing. And and not, and not to say that they don't have skills, because obviously you bring these people on the board sometimes for the just for their resources, but sometimes they do have skills. But you're the expert in the nonprofit. You are the expert in your thing. So you should be leading that charge. And then when these folks, and I, and again, I realize that's a, can be a contentious relationship because people want to know their money is going to what they care about. But that's the thing is like, it has to be in alignment because otherwise, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it becomes a, a very challenging conversation when those who are in 
that kind of decision-making and power position, their comfort level around the political realities of the people ultimately being served is what sets the table. Right. And that's highly dangerous. (laughs) And it holds the real work back because of that. Yes. And it creates all kinds of, it can create all kind of havoc because of that misalignment. And it's incredibly frustrating. And I think as someone who's worked in nonprofits, seeing that, I just got tired of it. Mm-hmm. I got tired of that misalignment. I got tired of, but the board, but the board, but the board. I don't care. Mm-hmm. And, but also realizing that, and it's, again, it's this cognitive dissonance because it's like, on the one hand, you've got all these folks that want to be paid and people want promotions and raises and you need the resources. But at the same time, it's like, but you have to make all these concessions to get that. And so is it really worth that when you could be working on these other things? And granted, it's like, then a lot of people are going to be out of jobs, but it's like, we've, we've got to come up with something else. It's, it's just, it's not working. Yeah. It's not working. Yeah. And that, that actually has been one of the things I've heard is, you know, well, where will people work? Because a lot of black people do work within nonprofits, um, pro- many more, I think, especially in New York City, probably in government, and actually in D.C. as well where I live. But there is that, that, that conversation about jobs. But then again, it's like, can we not find other ways right. to employ people that are not just perpetuating this cycle and in many ways, um, contributing to the narrative that we don't need a strong government in terms of supports, in terms of the realities and the complexities of the lived experience of the varieties of people we have in this country. We don't want to keep contributing to that narrative to defund by, quote-unquote, having strong nonprofits. Right. Um, Yes. Um, David, any final thoughts on this? The role of the nonprofit? Yeah, yeah. I would I would just say to, to do do your own assessment. Um, kind of check in with yourself, especially if you've been someplace for a while, and try to understand of like what is the role that we're we're actually playing. Um because I think, to Trina's point, it will help you recognize how much of yourself you want to give <laughs> to that environment. Um, because giving too much to a place where the role is actually not about transformation, but about maintaining the status quo, um, is something to consider. What about you? I think for me, I, I just want us to be in these questions asking the right questions. You know, are we really doing what we set out to do? And the solution that we have, is it really helping? And, you know, this, this bigger picture of whatever it is that your nonprofit focuses in on, you know, are you working on the true issue? Are you tackling it in a way that even if it's, even if the work is challenging, more challenging, are you focused on the right things? And again, I realize that certain things have to be done in the now because folks need help right now. 
So it's not like you can just have this far off vision for something that's not going to happen for another 50 years. But I, I do think being in the right questions around the work will help you frame it better and provide better solutions in the now. Yes. So, so true. that's all folks for this episode. Um, yeah, continue to rate and subscribe and share this podcast uh, with the folks you know. And um, that's it. Yes, thanks everyone. And I think this this seems like it's going to be, uh, there's, there's a lot more here for another episode. So we'll have to <laughs> circle back, as they say. And, uh, and just based on your comments and other things, think about how we can, we can delve into this a little bit further. Absolutely. Oh, and one last thing. So this is episode 12 of this podcast. So David and I um, decided we wanted to do a first season of this podcast with 12 episodes and then wanted to just see how we felt about it. And um, I don't know, David, how are you? How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really good and, and especially seeing the response that we've had. So there's something here. And I think that, you know, we've talked about that there's a community of people that are ready to have this conversation about how to do these things differently. What does it mean for um, black folks to have conversations about our labor, with, especially within this sector and what it looks like and where it could be used, uh, you know, in, in, in a different form and function. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see where we can go with this. And um, I hope that you'll want to join for another season. <laughs> Absolutely. So we're, we're wrapping up uh, season one of the Not For Profits podcast with this episode. And then we will be coming back with the season two in the new year. So stay tuned for that. And um, thanks so much for, for joining us um, on this ride and, and participating and being a part of this community and this conversation with us. Um, we really appreciate it. Thanks yes. for listening. Thank you.